Remember the Titans is a story of how a town torn apart by resentment, friction, and mistrust comes together. In the school board, they kept us in the dark. They combined the white school and the black school into one, called T.C. Williams High School. Because once you get on that bus, you got your brothers on the team, and you got your daddy. And you know who your daddy is, don't you? Gary, if you want to play on this football team, you answer me when I ask you, who is your daddy? Who your daddy, Gary? Who's your daddy? You. Uh-huh. And whose team is this? Is this your team? Or is this your daddy's team? Yours. Mm-hmm. Who is your daddy? Whose team is this? Those two questions, when embraced and expressed in the life of a Christ follower changes everything. If you're still kicking the tires of faith, trying to figure out if it's something for you, this is a good insight. When you say yes to Jesus, God's son, who we just sung about, who breaks those chains, when we say yes, we continually have to, as Christ followers, remind ourselves who our Heavenly Father is. And we never grow up to the age where we don't have to follow Him or obey Him. He is our Father. And so as you and I walk through life, a great question, sometimes you've seen those little bracelets that say, what would Jesus do? You could put on there, Who's your daddy? And would people recognize who your daddy is? Sometimes I'm ashamed that people recognize that I'm Bill Spencer's son. They know who my daddy is. Just kidding, dad. (laughs) He's here. They recognize that in me. They go, oh, you're acting like Bill Spencer. I go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my daddy. Does that happen in our lives when it comes to following Christ? Who is our daddy? And then next, whose team is it? And we can make the application that church, which is just a group of Christ followers that gather in a local place. There's a fancy term called the universal church. Christ followers all over the planet. Anyone who's ever been a Christ follower, universal church, faith in God. But then there's local churches. Local gatherings, and if we took time, Scripture has this idea that we do more together. We are to be a part of a local gathering, a regular rhythm of our lives. We are not spiritual orphans if we follow Christ. We belong to a local church, so we discover what one connects with. Hopefully, it's just not uh, because they have nice coffee or have air conditioning or whatever. It's because... God has led you to that church, this church. So who's your daddy? Our Heavenly Father. Whose team is it? God's. And last week we started to unpack the idea of, you know, all the different nuances and our favorite things and the things we don't like and the things that resonate with us. 
It all boils down to whose team is it? It's not my team. It's not your team. Sometimes people out of uh, just being kind say, how's your church going? And very quickly I say, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. It's God's church. And so who owns the team? How do we how do we function when we look at life? Not just what happens inside these four walls, but the reality is what happens outside these four walls. What happens outside these four walls is the majority, obviously, of our life. And do people see that question being answered? Boy, Dave Spencer's a nice guy, not because Dave Spencer's a nice guy, because of who his father is, his daddy. Oh, they're functioning. They're trying to make sure they function according to God's team because he owns a team. He sets the pace. He sets the direction. He sets the ideas. So those are very questions. But a lot of times, because it's people, we get bogged down and we respond like this guy. See? All right. Honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Not even Doc or Boone. Shiver push on the line every time, man. You blow right past them. Push them. Pull them. Do something. You can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates hanging out to dry. Me in particular. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anybody else out there? We ought to talk about a wage. You the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job? I have a You've job. You've been doing your job? I've been doing my job. Then why don't you tell your white buddies to block for Rev better? Because they have not blocked for him worth a plug nickel, and you know it. Nobody plays. Yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself, and I'm going to get mine. Amen. That's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Almost cut that part off because I didn't want to hear that part. <laughs> Sometimes people say, oh, you're a good pastor. And I'll say, well, you're only a good pastor if you have a good church. Vice versa. It's not a one-way street. But who do you play for? Who's your daddy? Who owns the team? The church in Corinth was not doing well with these concepts. So Paul writes to them two letters. He lived with them for about 18 months trying to teach them and bring them up to speed. And in some areas they were fantastic, but in a lot of areas they needed work. Because they kept forgetting who was their daddy and whose team it was. They were very selfish. And if we're not careful, as a local church, we can drift into those kinds of things too. It becomes my church, my way. I'm the director. I'm the leader. And we forget who is our daddy and who is, owns the team. So Paul addresses these issues all over the place. We're going to look at a few verses out of 1 Corinthians. And you're going to notice at the end of each uh, passage I put up on the screen, there's different letters, and those refer to different translations. 
from my perspective, translations are different tools. They're translating the original language into English. And if you know anything about the original languages, there are nuances that don't come through in English. It's like watching TV uh, in the original languages, like high definition color. In the English language, it can be like watching TV on a black and white TV. So sometimes these words need to be expanded. And some of the translations out here do a really good job translating a phrase and expanding it. And uh, so that's why you'll see this. So I go through. I have a, a book called uh, the Handbook for Translators. Uh, Wycliffe translators use it. It has uh, every passage, and it walks you through and shows you the different ways a different verse can be translated, different nuances. It addresses uh, cultural things. If, if this is a part of your culture, you probably ought to say it this way. If this is not a part of your culture, you ought to say it this way. It's very helpful. So as I'm reading that commentary, reading that handbook, I'm reading through the passage, and I'm looking at various translations to see the phrases. Uh, one translation is called the extand, expanded version, and it is really long. Every time there's a word that could be shaped three or four ways, the word's there, and then there's in these parentheses all the other words. It's, it's very long. But again, translations, if they are done right, and there are some translations that are crazy, and there's a motive behind the translation. When that happens, the translation's not solid. But the ones that uh, hopefully I use are, 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 are pretty rock solid. So uh, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 1. Family, friends, when I was there, this is Paul writing, I could not talk to you the way I talk to people who are led by the Spirit. That's a huge statement. When you're having a conversation... And maybe it's a tense conversation. Is the conversation reflect that you are led by the Spirit? Or are you led by yourself? That changes everything. When you gather together, do you identify the fact that you're having a conversation with another person, but it's just not two people, there's three people there because the Holy Spirit is a part of that conversation. Or does it seem like you're being just led by yourself or led by uh, the, the thinking of the day, the culture? Paul says, I can't really speak to you fully because you're not led by the Spirit. I had to talk to you like ordinary people of the world, people who don't know Christ, who have not said yes. We've talked in other messages where uh, when you say yes to Christ and the God joins your life through the Holy Spirit, one of the persons of the Trinity, uh, your eyes are open. Your eyes are open to things. The Spirit teaches you, uh, prompts you, guides you, convicts you, rebukes you. And so different kind of uh, environments when you have that going for you. You are like babies in Christ, content only when everything's going your way. Oh, my gosh. We could stop right there, couldn't we? Are you content when everything's going your way? And it's just your way. It's not a right or wrong thing. And if it doesn't go your way, there's trouble. I used to joke with the girls that they have streets named after them. 
one way. Now, when I start to go down, you know, they have street, they, you know, they know what I'm going to say and they roll their eyes. And even at 27 and 25, sometimes I have to remind them of those streets. Sure, my dad does the same for me. <laughs> and the teaching I gave you was like milk and not solid food. I did this because you were not ready for solid food. And even now you are not ready. You are still not following the spirit. You are jealous of each other and you're always arguing with each other. We talked a lot about this last week. This shows that you are still following your own selfish desires. You are acting like ordinary people of the world. If someone was to take inventory of your life, my life, and they could get into every piece of it, and they compared two lives together, maybe most of us don't use this anymore, but if we had a checkbook, they looked at and compared our checkbooks, would our spending habits, the way we use our time, what we watch on TV, what we invest just, just our focus on, would they be different or fairly the same? Maybe there would be a check every once in a while to the church. Maybe there'd even be a tithing check, which is 10% of your income. And you're, you're honoring God, you're worshiping God, showing that he's worth something to you by the giving of your tithes and your offerings. But when you took that out, would everything look the same? Or would there be something different? Would it seem like we're acting like ordinary people? And again, that doesn't mean you're acting better than, you're not self-righteous, but the drum to your life is the same as the peers in this world. One of you says, I'm on Paul's side. The other says, I'm for Apollos. You're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Again, hard stuff. Do you and I act like people without the Spirit's influence? When we're walking through life, have we set things in motion so we're open to his leading? And so when a situation happens, when a conversation comes our way, when it's not healthy or, or whatever, do you and I act like we're under the influence of the Spirit or not? Does that even register with us? Do we even think that way regularly? And this is a, a growth thing. It, it takes, you just don't throw a switch. You have to be creative. You have to know how yourself is wired. That's one reason, uh, well, you know, going to follow and, and the next one's going to be share and there'll be another one. Uh, these, 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 uh, these basic faith things, it's good refresher course. Even if you've been a Christian for a zillion years, it's a good idea to kind of be refreshed. How, how do I keep my life moving so I'm influenced by the Spirit? And it shows is Apollos more important? Is Paul so important? This is Paul's writing this. We are only servants of God who helped you believe. Each one of us did the work God gave us to do. I love this. They're not grandstanding. It's always nice when you have the chance to influence somebody and their life changes and you're a part of that, their, their story. Apollos and Paul are not, are not doing that. They're, Paul's just saying, you know, that... I was just being who God wants me to be, and it touched your life. But, don't, but don't, don't identify yourself with me. You're a Christ follower, 
you are not a Paul follower, an Apollos follower. Last week we saw a Peter follower or a self-righteous follower we saw last time. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. Anything that's growing in your life, even up to your garden that's growing in your life, the one outside, you know, that's all God. Spiritual growth, God. Physical growth, God. And sometimes we take too much credit for the growth that we see happening. And when we think about spiritual growth, Yes, we need to do our part, we need to be engaged, but we really need to completely rest in the fact that God does his part. And God's part is the significant part. It doesn't mean we can slack off, it doesn't mean we don't care, it doesn't mean we don't show up, but we show up and are a vessel in his hands. But it's he the one that makes it grow. He's the one that makes things happen. We, Apollos and I, I like the fact he's Apollos and I, we, it's a team, are working as a team. We are one, and this is one of those translation things you could say, in importance, uh, a value, working towards the same purpose and vision. All those ideas are in those few words, and uh, we miss it if we don't see the color behind it. So we are one, in importance and in value, we're both valuable. Uh, working towards the same purpose or vision. And the same purpose of vision is the presentation of the good news. It's people deciding to follow Christ and then grow in that relationship. Through each of us, we will be rewarded for his own hard work. Interesting. Uh, individual responsibility, accountability. God holds us accountable for our lives, the way we use it, the way we invest it. What makes them worth doing is God we are serving. So sometimes you and I, if we're doing something for God, whether it's connected with a church or whether it's just out there, sometimes we wonder if we're doing anything, if we're even making a difference. Why bother, we say? But when we're serving God, it has value. And you just never know the seeds that you and I plant, how they're going to turn into some growth in somebody else's life or some kind of situation. There's all those stories about one person who, who, who connected with somebody who ended up becoming like a Billy Graham. And if that one person, we don't even know, I can't even say his name. I don't know his name. I, I remember reading it somewhere, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay in my mind. He, you know, but uh, we saw that with um, some of the servants with King David and Saul and Jonathan and, and, you know, there's a servant who did something, and the whole story turns on the action of that servant. But we don't even know his name. How can that be? Because we're serving God, and that's what makes things worth it. So, real quickly, this idea of what do we do with this. So we have to ask our question you know, what happens when we play for ourselves, playing for yourselves? It's all about me. We saw that one young man being just honest to his captain. And he made the captain think. He made the captain think, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. It just looks more sophisticated and more right in your lives. And isn't that something easy for Christians to do? We can point out somebody else doing something wrong in their life, 
We can unpack it. We can see it. But the same thing can be reflected in our lives. The same attitude, the same bent, the same motivation. We just have been in church world long enough and sophisticated enough that we look like we're not being selfish. I'm sure this never happened in your life, but there would be times where my girls were extremely selfish. They were being one-way streets. And then sometimes I realized I was being a one-way street. I was actually being more selfish than they are, but I'm the parent and I've got all the power. So it doesn't look like that. I earned this money, I earned that, I can do what I want to. Wait a minute, I'm being just as selfish as they are. Actually, I'm being more selfish than they are. It's just more obvious, so I can chew on them for being selfish, and I'm being selfish myself. And nobody kind of sees it or identifies it, because nobody does. We, we play it safe. So playing for yourself. Brothers, sisters, Christians, family, friends, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. And these aren't magic courses, but they're helpful courses. That's why we have a growth process we're working on. There are the four courses. We've got one up and going. We're getting ready for the next one, share. And uh, this is follow, and then we've got share, and that stuff's all in your program. But the reason we're doing this is because we want to leave let there be pathways for you to jump in to have spiritual growth. That's why we have community groups. That's why we have right now media. All these kinds of things are to help us grow. Remember, our, our purpose statement is all about growth. So this idea of, again, playing for yourself. John writes, don't love the world's ways, the culture in the sense it doesn't mean you don't enjoy parts of it, but, but the, the world's way in the sense of being expressed in selfishness. Don't let the love, don't let love, don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Have you ever experienced that? You're captivated by something that's going on in your life, and all of a sudden, love for the Father just kind of cools. New things going on, uh, getting up in the morning, and I want to check out what's going on in the news, and I want to check out if anything that happened weird on Facebook since I went to bed, all these kinds of things. And all of a sudden, all that stuff squeezes out my time with the Lord. So, you know, I'm at a place now where I know I've got to do my devotions every day, so I at least will throw something out there, you know, do a little token thing. So I can say, yeah, Dave, did you do your devotions? Oh, yeah, I did my devotions. But it was just kind of flying through because I let the focus of other things squeeze out my love for God. Nothing should be so captivating that it squeezes out our love for God. But it is so easy to do that. We read on, practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. And if you love your daddy, you don't want to be isolated from him. You want clear communication. You want to kind of be able to read what he wants. It's like when I was a little kid, I could tell when my mother or my father gave me the look. They didn't have to say a word. I knew I was dead. They would just, I knew it. If they had to touch me and just put their hand on me, 
I was doubly dead. But the look should do it. And uh, I, I didn't want that. And, and, and are you able to kind of read what God would have you do in any kind of situation? Uh, if that's hard, if you don't know the shepherd's voice really well, if it's hard to identify, and I'm not talking about feeling guilty, that, that's not what we're looking for here. Conviction, yes, but if I can't um, navigate that, can't discern that, that's a problem. We talked about before. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can um, when you have a baby and there's five babies crying, you can usually tell which baby's yours. Before you have babies, it's just, oh, the babies are crying in that room. You just, just five babies. Or are there three babies crying in there? Or are there two? Are the workers in there crying? I don't know. But, you, you know, it's, you just hear crying. But once you've had a child, you usually can identify your children's cry. Because when it comes to the world, we're not to hate it. We're to enjoy the pieces that uh, are, are good and are healthy. We read, dear friends, you are like visitors and strangers in this world. So I beg you to keep your lives free from the evil things you want to do. Those desires that fight against your true self. If you're a Christ follower, your true self is a Christ follower. So what are the things that fight against that? What are the things that get in the way of you being a Christ follower? Of you really following through? I love the way the message and other translations says these same words. Says it this way, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And isn't that what we're doing when we indulge our ego at the expense of our soul? Doesn't mean we're going to lose our relationship with God, but our soul is not in a good place because of our ego. Little acrostic for ego, used this before. Ego is edging God out. You're self-centered. It's all about you. You're edging God out because God is the exact opposite of that. His son came for us. His son gave his life. His son walked around. Uh, some of us have liked watching The Chosen, and it gives little glimpses of what it might be like. You know, I think I would have rather stayed in heaven. I think I would have rather come in 2023. Could have had an iPhone 15. I mean, you know, it's just life is good in 2023. I would want to be back there 2,000 years ago where, you know, no air conditioning, walking everywhere. You hurt your Achilles Hindu. You didn't have one of those. I, you know, I, you know, just it, just it wasn't there. So, um, you know, this idea, again, of uh, edging God out, uh, it's exact opposite of what Christ does. When we play for ourselves, uh, there's limits. It limits our life. A lot of times we think it enhances our life, brings more life to us, because now it's mine. I'm playing for myself. It affects the enjoyment of finer things, of the good things, of the better things. I gave you milk, not solid food. Have you eaten baby food recently? Yuck, I don't like baby food. Sometimes when I play a game, and this might be coming up at trick-or-treat time, we have the kids pull food out of a bag. They don't know what they're going to get. They've got blindfolds on, and every once in a while, I have some, some baby food in there, you know, some, some peas. Uh, the ones I like is the meat stew. It's disgusting, and you open it up, and 
the kid's got the blindfold on, the kid who's feeding him is like thankful they're not the blindfolded one, and you just gotta love the expressions. They sometimes get sick. I have a trash can in front of them, it's great. It's a lot of fun, we'll videotape it so you can see it. But what kind of food are you able to enjoy when you play for yourself? Spiritual food is, is the basis. It's not the, the tastier stuff. I love the way um, Isaiah writes this, or a message, all those who are thirsty come to the water. Are you penniless? Come my way and buy and eat. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourselves with the, only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. What kind of words do you choose on? Life-nourishing or life-stealing? Social media can be fun, you can see, but how much of social media steals from your life-nourishing words? How does that work in your life? What do you spend your money on? Uh, we, um, when, you know, helping out with um, healthy Hondur Ninos in Honduras, uh, one of the things that they go down there and they do is they do food clinics. Um, and this, this may make you feel superior, but it shouldn't. You hear what I said? This shouldn't. But a lot of times, parents don't know the nutritional value of food there. So when they get a little bit of money, they go out and buy candy for their kids. And their kids love it. But the kids all have stunted growth because they're not eating properly. So they go down there and they train people, you ought to buy a chicken. So much better. The protein in an egg is fantastic. You'll grow healthy kids, not giving them candy, but giving them eggs. And they have to explain that to them. They, they don't know. And we go, ha, they don't know, ha, 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 ha. Well, you as a Christ follower know the difference between cotton candy food for your soul and solid egg food for your soul. So in some ways, we're worse off than they are, even with all our education and all the things we have, because we feed our souls with cotton candy rather than food that has solid protein for us that helps build our spiritual life. It also affects our appreciation of others. When you and I are this way, we don't appreciate. We've talked a couple weeks ago about jealousy and, uh, you know, this idea of being worldly, being selfish. You are still worldly, for there is jealousy in quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? The idea of jealousy and quarreling, yes, that doesn't mean you don't take a stand, but you take a stand in a respectful way. But when there's jealousy and quarreling, that is an indicator of your spiritual life, of my spiritual life. So I have to ask myself, am I quarrelsome all the time? I have to, instead of being on the person that I think is creating the quarrel, I need to ask, am I creating the quarrel? Am I even 10% of the problem? If I'm 10% of the problem, then I ought to fix the 10%. That's something I can do. I might not be able to deal with the 90% on the other side, but I can do... 10, and I'm being a little sarcastic because usually in my quarrels, I own more than 10%. I usually own 11%, okay? So, no. Uh, yeah, you know, so, so appreciation of others is diminished. We're not going to read through this, but in your notes, you, we have 
the, the story about Samuel and how he responds to David. We talked about that a few weeks ago. David kills tens of thousands. Saul kills thousands. Saul is just coming unhinged because of this. He wants to kill David now. And before that, he didn't. And David was his right-hand man. And just, again, the spiritual life just was out of the window. So it's unbelievable the way he acts. And James really tells us, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come? We look from our world. We look for the dictators, you know. We see things in Africa where there's coups and governments and all this kind of stuff. Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. So enjoying the finer things, things that feed our soul, enjoying people, there's also this idea of the view of the big picture. We miss it. You don't see it. Are you not acting like mere men? For when you say, I follow Paul, and another I follow Paulus, are you not mere men? You're missing the boat if you're getting into this following me and Apollos. That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. And Coach Boone has to explain it's, it's about something Bigger than their divisions, bigger than their quarreling, bigger than their self-centered. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves. green field right here painted red bubbling with the blood of young boys smoke and hot lead going right through their bodies listen to their souls man killed my brother with malice in my heart hatred destroyed my family listen and take a lesson from the dead if we don't come together right now on this hollow ground we too will be destroyed just like they were I don't care if you like each other or not but you will respect each other and maybe I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. Learn to play this game like men with integrity. Not just saying, ladies, but to play the game well, to live well. Do we see the big picture? We just see our little piece, and it's all about us. Our mission, and we won't cover our vision today, our vision is we exist to make a difference in people's lives by leading them. You can't lead people into something that you yourself are not doing. It's disgenuous to, to point to a way of life that really isn't your way of life. Are you leading people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Are you doing that?
That's the mission. That's the big picture. That's why we do what we do. And when we're playing for ourselves, we're not playing that game there on the mission. It's about us, not about others. And so we miss it. So what about playing for your daddy? How do we do that? Real quickly here. We, Apollos and I, are working as a team. We are one. Importance and value working towards the same purpose and vision. Through each of us, we will be rewarded for his own hard work. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. So we have to understand that when we play, you play like this world is not your home. Doesn't mean you don't enjoy this world, but you realize someday you will be in eternity. Someday there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. So you hold what God gives you with open hands. Open hands. You realize what is given to you is to be used by you for the vision and mission, the good news, the gospel. So this isn't your home. This isn't your investments. You need to be wise. You need to be careful, yes, and all that. But when it, and, and, and only you know if you're living like this is your home. You can't look into somebody else's life and go, look what they bought. Look what they didn't buy. Look at, you can't play that game. It's about this is a question for you. This is a question for me. Are you playing like this world is not your team? Don't love the world's ways. We've read this. Don't love the world's goods. The love of the world. Squeeze out love for the Father. It just isolates you. Don't do that. Also, you're not to play like you're in a holy huddle. You know what I mean by holy huddle? Sometimes we as Christians just want to kind of live in a bubble. Not go outside that. We want to be in places where people are nice like us. They're, they're spiritual. They're Christians. They love Jesus. They don't say bad words. They do this. They do that. And we isolate. There's something for that. There's something encouraging about that. But we don't live in the holy huddle. If Jesus lived in a holy huddle, he would never have come to earth. You wouldn't have a savior. If those 12 disciples, after Jesus went, just said, hey, man, this is great. And they just hunkered down and stayed in the upper room and just had a little party up there and you know, saying kumbaya every night, uh, you know, I, nothing would happen. We wouldn't know about Christ today. In the early church, if you look in Acts, Jesus, God actually had to shake up the church. There was persecution. So people took off to spread out because they weren't going as they were supposed to go. Boy, I would hate to live in such a way that uh, my life says, you know, I'm so about myself. I'm just living for myself that God says, you know, Dave, I need to really rock your world. I need to rock your world so you'll start looking and living the way I want you to love others. You're not just about you and getting yours. Do we live in holy huddles? Again, question only you can answer. There's times where you got to get hunkered down and get recharged. But I'm going to say, so if you don't know your neighbors, if you don't acknowledge the people that the store, if you don't know, if you're just like just church and not outside, you go to 20 small groups and 
and you don't have any interaction with the greater world. There's a problem with that. We're supposed to, that's not just for missionaries, difference makers. It's for all of us. We're supposed to be that way. And then sometimes we have somebody who wants to go do that somewhere else. And we say, yes, that's the way we live. So let's send you to go live that somewhere else. Do you live like a holy huddle? Read this last week. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Understand them. I became just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this because of the message, the good news. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Do you play like the wind depends on you? Almost didn't write the statement this way. Because it doesn't depend on you, but you do have to show up. God needs people to show up. He wants people to show up. And if you choose not to show up, he'll use somebody else. I've been a part of a couple churches where uh, they just they, they, they looked like they weren't a holy huddle, but they kind of had the holy huddle going on. And uh, God wanted to do bigger and better things through them. They just stayed stagnant. And what do you know? All of a sudden, three or four other churches were started in the community. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But I really think that's because they wouldn't get off their seats and do anything. It was about having something nice. They talked nice words, but they weren't in on it. The wind, do you play like the wind depends on your action? Again, it's God working through you, God's work, but he uses people that are willing. He uses willing vessels. So we've been sent to speak for Christ. It's like God is calling to people through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you for to be at peace with God. So who do you play for? Whose team is it? Who is your daddy? And Christ follower, this bottom line's more for us. Don't mistake playing with God for playing for God. Don't mistake playing with God, doing the God stuff, doing the religious stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff, even serving. Don't mistake playing with God and doing all these kinds of things surfacely for playing for God. Christians, myself, I can be really good at that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We're thankful for your patience with us. We, Lord, we, we, we just want to have help. We want to revisit the idea of who is our daddy, who is our heavenly father. And dad, I'm thankful that that is available to all of us. So is anyone here who's never said yes to Christ in this moment where they say, God, I want you in my life. I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to follow you. I want you to be my heavenly father. And I want to understand your team and be on your team, not create a team that's controlled by me. And for those of us who are Christ followers, Lord, 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 help us to live our lives as an investment in the moments we have on this planet before our time is up. Would we live like the wind depends on us? 
an urgency, a fervency, a desire. Father, I thank you for the folks in this room. I thank you for the folks listening online, watching right now, listening later throughout the week. May we truly be your team as you are our Father. We ask all of this in your name.